Good morning. How are you? It's great to be again back here. Three years ago we were here and we met some who are not here today and we are meeting some that weren't here back then. So it's great. Uruguay. Where is Uruguay? We'll be dividing our morning service or afternoon, I better say, in two parts. I'll be giving you a a real quick a glance of what the Lord is doing in Uruguay, which is wonderful. He has been doing some incredible things. And uh, there's about 350 pictures. So you, you're probably, well, we'll be here all afternoon. No, we'll just go through quickly. You'll, you'll have the, this PowerPoint presentation with you. Uh, so you can just ask one of the people who are back there on the computer for it if you desire to take um, a slower look at the report. There are not too many words. I'll be just giving and saying some of the things that have been going on. So here is Uruguay, right under Brazil and beside Argentina, a very tiny country, three million people. And soccer is the big sport in Uruguay. Like uh, hockey is for you. Uh, well, we love soccer. We play it. And here's a real typical tea from Uruguay that's called mate. So you kind of put in that gourd a, a bit of green leaf a tea inside and sip from this metal straw and you'll drink all day long this tea. So Uruguayans will generally drink between two liters and three liters a day. And it's very good for health. So if you want to try it, there are some stores in Mississauga where you can buy them. And, well, Montevideo is the city that we've been living in for our past six years. Our ministry has taken us in different directions in Uruguay. First, we served in Punta del Este, a tourist resort a city for eight years, a planting uh, a church there. It's, um, Punta del Este is kind of like the Miami of uh, South America. It's right on the Atlantic Ocean. And six years ago, we moved to Montevideo. So here you have some pictures of the old buildings, the parliament building on the top, the nice beaches, and the more modern uh, places right on the Atlantic Ocean. This is the airport um, that receives people from all over the world. We have uh, generally 3 million people coming in to Uruguay. So that's the same amount of people who live in Uruguay. Carmelo is the second city where we are working specifically. Uh, so we are serving the Lord all around the country, but there are two cities where we have our focus. It's Montevideo and Carmelo. As you go into Carmelo, you better make sure that the bridge is in the proper uh, position. If not, you'll have some problems. It's, a, it's turned around human traction, so it's very interesting, one of the few in, in the world. Some of the characteristics of Uruguay, it's been called in many ways, but that's a summary, an atheist island in a religious continent. So where all of the continent is very conscious of spiritual need, Uruguay is very opposite to it. So you have atheism, humanism, secular-minded, a little influence of Catholicism in its history, so Good works, people say, well, 
I'm a good person. That's okay. And we are going through some of the same things that you are going through here in Canada. It, we started off several years ago. And so those are the parades there cheering for the gay movement. In December 2013, a Uruguay passed a law permitting the growing and distribution and consumption of marijuana. And uh, so we are seeing the results of it now after the, the law came into effect. And I know that in Canada, you're also going that way. Sorry for changing the, the flag. And so there are different um, issues that we'd like you to know about, the Ur about Uruguay. This is our favorite psalm with Leticia. And uh, I like to call Psalm 67 the missionary psalm. J just read it after and you'll realize why. And before, in uh, chapter 66, uh, the psalm uh, just kind of looks at God and His awesome name and His incredible works. And from there, he moves uh, into 67 and shares beautiful insights of the ways of the Lord. And they must be known upon earth and the salvation among all nations. So now we are in Uruguay, maybe in a future that will want to take us somewhere else. But while uh, we wait for that, we are uh, serving in Uruguay. We like to work as a team, teamwork. And as we motivate and mobilize the new generation of young people, teenagers, young families in the different churches in Uruguay, which we work all together. We are 35 assemblies in Uruguay, and all of us are different some way, but we're all working together. So this is a real encouragement, and this has allowed that God, among this unity, as Psalm 133 says, he'll, he'll just pour blessing and eternal life, and that's what's going on in Uruguay. So it is very encouraging to come up with a report of things that the Lord is doing. And he is really doing it. And we are very enthused about it and passionate of what the Lord is doing. So as we work with the newborn spiritually Christians in the different assemblies in Uruguay, we teach them, we walk with them, we train them, and we work with them, just as Jesus did. And obviously, the Lord starts to multiply the results. Assemblies in Uruguay had never put together a mission trip. So, to another country. So, we've always received groups from Canada, from the U.S., and other countries, Germany, Europe, other countries there, that have come with groups. But it's time for the Uruguayan churches to be able to think out of the box, out of what Uruguay is, and look at the worldwide and the needs. So, the Lord allowed us, as an assembly, to go to Panama. And we went to Panama right into different indigenous uh, communities. This is the local assembly in Montevideo. There are about 110 in fellowship at this moment. And the entire assembly was back in this mission trip that we did with uh, seven young people from the assembly there. And uh, we were able to go with some gifts to the indigenous communities. We took f a bag of food and a bag of cleaning products for every family in the different 
indigenous communities that we visited. So that was very nice. It was very encouraging for the families. We were going with a gift, a practical gift of love. But on the other hand, we were going with the most precious gift that God has given humankind, that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So we had a nurse. She worked a lot with uh, young moms, lots of babies. We took thermometers, something that they do not have in, in the jungle, and they really appreciate it. Many of those young mothers lost many babies because they didn't know what was going on, and it was just, it started off as a simple fever. We worked with teenagers, children, and uh, a beautiful time for this group that went from the assembly in Montevideo, but also for the different uh, indigenous communities that we visited. This couple, after the trip, felt something, and the Lord began to talk to their heart and calling them probably into full-time work and probably to Panama. So if this happens, they'd be the first missionary couple from Uruguay sent somewhere else into the world. So pray for them as they consider moving ahead and the elders there in the home assembly in Montevideo are praying and just going through a unique process. So it'll probably take this year and beginning of next year for them to leave us and go and serve in Panama. Part of our ministry also is the assistance and support of the different assemblies there in Uruguay. So we take young people with us to different parts of the country with construction projects we also take young families along with us. Um, I'm just skipping by, but you'll see a lot of beef and you'll see a lot of mates because that's typical for Uruguayan. So uh, we've been really enjoying taking young people and young families along with us. Well, I mean, we are a young family, uh, just in case, but uh, younger than us. And in some occasions, we'll have some... Uh, also elders and mis other missionaries in the country that accompany us in this ministry. So it is a blessing for the young people, the young couples that go with us. It's a blessing for the different assemblies that receive us because they have visits and they feel the encouragement through uh, Bible teaching and Bible training. Soccer is big, so we always rent different uh, field courts and take children and young, young teenagers from the different uh, poor areas of the, of the cities and take them there, play soccer. They have the permission of their parents to have to go to the chapel and, uh, and have some little break, sports, games, also at the chapel, Bible teaching. Many of them have come to the Lord and are being discipled one-on-one. -on -one. So we are very enthused of how the Lord is working in the lives of many of these children, teenagers, and young people. As we go around and move around the country, basically this is our ministry. It's not the only area. We are into encouraging uh, young people and young couples, a lot of speaking engagements around the country, and uh, it takes us to different places, sometimes even over to Argentina. We've gathered a once a year with some 
And I'm, in fact, not organizing this now. There are younger um, young people organizing one year event where we take away two or three days on a weekend and we have a training session for Sunday school teachers, for teenage um, leaders who are working with these different groups. A lot of them, I'd say 80% of these young people that are serving the Lord in Uruguay come from non-Christian homes. So they haven't had too many models or life in a church to be able to learn. So they're just getting into ministry, learning Bible. So we have these training sessions and we give them tools to be able to work effectively with the ages and in the different ministries that they're doing. Counseling is a big thing. As I said, a lot of them come from non-Christian homes. So they haven't had the privilege to have been brought up in a church, in a family where there are Christian models and values. So they come, they have a lot of questions. How do you do this? How do you do that? Basic questions. How do you bring up your kids in a spiritual way? So counseling, it will take us sometimes, we'll start from seven in the morning. We have all the program all day and we'll finish two, three o'clock in the morning and they'll be coming and asking questions. And, and that's okay. We want to serve the Lord that way. So there's no time of going to bed in South America. You have to get accustomed of going to bed very late. And, uh, but it's nice because you can help this new generation in, as they mature in their faith and as they want to serve the Lord. Camps is a huge ministry in Uruguay. This is a camp that's on the east coast of Uruguay, right on the Atlantic Ocean, 80 kilometers away from the first church plant that we did uh, on the east coast. And this is uh, another camp where my uncle um, is working and has been working. It's a camp that my grandfather bought to be able to start with camp work. So they don't have beaches, but they have a very nice swimming pool. This is another camp where my dad is involved and my brother also, right on the south of the country. So uh, we have around 1,500 children, teenagers, and young people going to camps in January. They'll be finishing on Tuesday. So it's a beautiful ministry. It has encouraged a lot of the young people. Many have come to the Lord. Many have decided to follow the Lord. So Pray for this ministry. Also pray for Leticia's ministry at a Christian school in Montevideo. There are 800 students. It's the only Christian school that goes from kindergarten to end of high school in Uruguay. So Leticia has been teaching 150 students per week. And her main purpose is to teach Bible. And she has um, 90% of her students that come from non-Christian homes. So it's an incredible way that the Lord has been able to use Leticia in the school, teaching Bible to these kids, but also sharing the gospel every week so they may be blessed with salvation. And so please pray for this ministry. Pray for Leticia. Pray for the school. It's an incredible light. Generally, you'll have children and teenagers from the higher class going to the school, which is sometimes very difficult to reach. So 
Praise the Lord for that ministry and pray for Leticia also. This is a ministry, an area of our ministry that we love. Young couples. Um, we work a lot with young couples. <clears throat> we enjoy it. It's beautiful to see young couples that have come out of non-Christian homes meeting because they have become Christians and they're married and there's a lot of work to do. And it is very encouraging to see what the Lord is doing with many of these young couples. Obviously, there are things that they trip with because they're just learning, but it's a wonderful ministry where we feel that the Lord has been using us a lot in Uruguay. And here are some of the pictures of these couples. Um, I've married several of those. I have to marry the couple right on the bottom, on the right there. And uh, so all of them are very involved in ministry. They're not involved just involved in their home assembly, but they're also getting involved into going and helping other smaller assemblies in the different provinces of Uruguay. So um, this brings us down to more of a personal um, family. We are very happy with the decision of Amy. She was baptized in April. I think you're receiving our newsletters and updates, right? Every three, four months, approx. Okay. Um, I had a computer crash, and I lost several of the um, email addresses. Amy had her first experience as a camp leader, wor uh, working with children of 10 and 11. There's a special program for that age gap in our home assembly in Montevideo. So they went to the camp. This little girl kept on calling Amy mummy. So, no, she's not a mummy. She's 17 years old. Not yet. And, uh, and just in case I have a, um, a good gun under hidden here, <laughs> taking care of her. So it, it was very nice because when um, they arrived back, we knew that this girl didn't have her mum. And uh, so I guess uh, the love of Amy, shown in a very practical ways, it touched this little girl and she'd hang on to Amy all day long at this camp. She's into music also. Um, we clap a lot when we worship the Lord. So when you were doing in Uruguay, right? So it, when you did it in that last, last song, I just felt almost like I was in Uruguay. That was great. Praising the Lord with our, our clapping. That was good. So Amy's studying piano. Annie also. They both like music. These pictures here are an expression of the uniqueness of working together. The following picture is from the ladies' retreat. 300 ladies that gather from all over the country for a weekend. Beautiful. Leticia is involved in this uh, ministry and organizing this activity. 300, sometimes 400 young people gather also once a year for their youth retreat. And we take it to different parts of the country where there's an assembly because we take advantage of Bible studies and Bible training and sessions that we have uh, for training. Uh, 
this new generation that's coming. But also we take advantage to do a, an evangelistic impact in, in the country, in that town that we go to. And that really helps the assembly. You imagine that uh, a, we're walking down the street with 400 young people and giving out tracts, talking with people, inviting them to a, a special evangelistic meeting on the night really creates an impact and calls the attention of many. And a lot of people have come to the Lord because of this effort. Another gathering is the elders and missionaries from the, all of the country come together. We come together once a year. And this is very important. It starts up there and it just moves down. And we see the blessing of the Lord. As you see, lots of mate also on the table. These are two couples that also are going to Brazil with New Tribes missions. Pray for them. At this moment, they are already, they've left Porto Alegre and they're arriving to Florianópolis in Brazil. They have, they're halfway to New Tribes Missions Brazil and they'll be doing the two-year training and from there they'll be moving on wherever the Lord guides them. So as you see, the Lord is really moving a new generation into full-time work and service in the local assemblies in Uruguay, helping other assemblies in the provinces. And also we've started that movement of sending out into the world. So these two couples, uh, they are two cousins of mine there, Delia and Natalie with their husbands. We don't know where they will be going. It starts in Brazil, the training, and they'll probably finish somewhere in the world. So pray for all of these couples. Pray for a need of a vehicle change. Three years ago, uh, somebody decided that they weren't going to stop at the stop sign and that they ran right into me, turned me around, and turned me over. So the, the van was a wreck. Uh, they fixed it up. The insurance fixed it up. But this is an important need because we are traveling with a lot of young people, young families. So we are sharing this need with the different assemblies and brethren here in Canada. Some of the prayer requests, the vehicle, our family, Maybe some of you have been praying for Annie because she had epilepsy, but she had epilepsy. She doesn't have it anymore. June, last June, they gave us the news that uh, the um, seizure had disappeared, so she'll keep on with the medication, but we are very happy as a family, and we also praise the Lord for that healing process in her brain. Please pray for the elders in Montevideo in the home assembly where we are serving. Six years ago when we arrived to this assembly, there were no elders. And uh, so we went through a process of recognizing uh, some men that were amongst the believers. And there are four elders at this moment and they're really doing a nice job in the assembly there. So please pray for them. Please pray for the spiritual leadership in Carmelo. This is a very tiny assembly, went through very difficult things uh, about seven, eight years ago, and we've been helping them pray for Jorge and Paola. This is a young couple in their 30s, yeah, 30, 31, and um, we are doing a lot of training with them. I believe that there's a potential for spiritual leadership there in them. As we work with a new generation, we pray for wisdom 
and for the marriage counseling that takes a lot of our time every week. This is our prayer card, and it has our email. If you want to receive the prayer card, just you'll be careful, but you just can come over to that beautiful woman. Her name is Leticia, and, uh, so, and she'll have the prayer cards there ready for you if you desire to have communication with us. So we want to give you thanks for this time, short, quick, and we'll now go into Scripture. And we'll be considering some of the important things uh, that Paul has to teach us about three words. Paul was a man that said and lived ready for three things. Paul was ready to serve. Paul was ready to suffer and Paul was ready to sacrifice now why is this we have to go to Ephesians and start from there Ephesians chapter 2 for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest anyone should boast for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has saved us, but God has saved us to serve. And I want you to invite, I want to invite you to read in Romans chapter 1, verses 8. And we'll just see what Paul is saying here about being ready. If you go to the Cambridge Dictionary, uh, ready is defined as willing to do something. Very basic, but sometimes very difficult to put into practice. And Paul is giving us here the first ready, ready for service. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. For God is my witness, whom I serve, with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without season I make mention of you always in my prayers, making request, if by some means, now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift, so that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. Now, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I often planned to come to you, but was hindered until now, that I might have some fruit among you also, just as among the other Gentiles." I am adepter both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to wise and to unwise, so as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Ready for service. Whom I serve, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome, says Paul. Uh, Paul. <laughs> the Spanish came out there. Pablo. Three observations from the text. There are many more. 
but there are three important ones. The first one is intensity in prayer. So when I was listening of staying back for prayer five minutes after or before we leave, I, that's serious stuff. Praying, going to the throne of grace is important for our lives. And it's important for the life of the church. And Paul is, is just one of the observations that I want to leave with you about that text is his intensity in prayer without season. I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests. There's never enough. There's a lot more of prayer that we can, that we can do. Necessity for fellowship is the second observation. I long to see you. If a Christian doesn't really hang along with other Christians, there's something happening, and you have to pay attention. You have to be careful. Necessity for fellowship. I long to see you, says Paul, that I may be encouraged together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So intensity in prayer, necessity for fellowship, opportunity to establish and to equip. Paul is saying that I may impart to you some spiritual gift so that you may be established. So Paul is saying, so as much as is in me, I am ready to serve. I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. Not just in other places, but anywhere, including Rome. This is wonderful. What a beautiful spirit. It comes from the spirit of God when you have that attitude, willing to serve, ready to serve. You and I must be grateful to be a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody. Remember that. It's a privilege that we have, and it's also a responsibility. In the local church, in our neighborhood, in our local church, in our little ministries, at home, unsaved family, we have that privilege, but also responsibility. Paul lived what he was teaching and what he was saying. And Paul told Timothy and Titus, two men where he invested a lot of his time. Paul told Titus to, to teach, be ready for every good work. For every good work. I'm at the stoplight and I see an old lady having trouble with the ice crossing over. What can I do? Go right beside her and help her. And when I cross the road with her, I can tell her, God loves you. Right? Intentional about serving, of doing good works and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul told Timothy to teach, be ready to give. Those who are rich in this present age, not to be naughty, haughty, arrogant, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give. 
willing to share, ready to serve the Lord. That's the first ready and the longest one. We'll go into the two other readies of Paul. Ready for suffering. Hmm. Well, I know that many of your dear family, Christian family and friends, maybe in India, those of you who have them there, may be suffering some persecution. I know something about it. I haven't been there. In fact, with Leticia, we want to go to India. India loves, uh, sorry, Leticia loves Amy Carmichael's story. Have you heard of that? Okay. And in fact, in Edmonton, we were at an assembly where there are a lot of Indian. We love you a lot. And there was this Christian lady that came up and gave her a sari. A sari, right? Beautiful, beautiful. Lots of colors. And uh, so Leticia will be using that in Uruguay to teach the life of Amy Carmichael. And there are a lot of suffering for Christ there. Ready for suffering, says Paul. Paul in Caesarea, he was staying at the house of Philip, the evangelist, and he was about to depart to Jerusalem when a certain prophet um, came down from Judea and said the following. That, you'll find that in Acts 21. and we, we may read it. He took Paul's belt, bound his own hands and feet, and said, the Holy Spirit says, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man of, who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now when Paul heard these things and heard this prophet, Paul answered back right away. Well, yeah, it's true what you're saying. Hmm. I'm wondering what I should do. Paul, he answered back, what do you mean? He answered back with a question. This is a wise way of answering sometimes. Questions that if you answer in an affirmative way, you could maybe damage some feelings. So he just answers back with a question. What do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready... Not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder if I'm ready for this. So when he would not be persuaded, scriptures say in verse 12, 13, we see saying, the will of the Lord be done. And we know from the story, that Bible story that Paul kept on. What did he say in Colossians chapter 1 about suffering and about being ready to suffer. Paul says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Ready to serve ready for suffering yes and it's nice to suffer for the correct cause 
we sometimes may suffer because of our own decisions, right? But it's different if we suffer for the cause of Christ. Maybe in school, maybe at work, your neighborhood. God loves you. And you get different reactions. What are you talking about? Are you going nuts? Crazy? In Uruguay, the gospel is for the weak people. So you'll have a lot of people saying, oh, that, I, I don't need that. That's for maybe those up there ready for suffering. Whatever the response is, I am ready to serve and to suffer. And the third and last ready of Paul is ready for sacrifice. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. He was about to be killed here. One of his last words. And the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid upon up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Ready for sacrifice. There's a beautiful church history of people that have given their life and death to glorify God. It's amazing. Jerome was one. Beautiful examples. Willing to sacrifice their lives for the Lord. Jerome, they were about to burn him alive. And he was already tied to a post when who, st uh, who was going to start the fire. Came up close to him and told him. Maybe Jerome told that man that was going to put him on fire, sit in the fire. Come here and sit the fire. If I would have been frightened of this moment, I would have initially never come to this place having the freedom to not have come, to have escaped. That's conviction. Ready for sacrifice. Now, you're, you'll probably be asking yourselves, how can I have this attitude as Paul had? How could I possibly be ready to serve, to suffer, and to sacrifice my love for God? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, how could I possibly do it myself? <laughs> That's probably for others. Not for me. I'm okay sending some offerings and praying. That's, that's very good. That's brilliant. That's a way of serving. That's a way maybe of suffering also because you're just taking away something from your own will and something that you would like and giving it to some missionary around the world or needy work. Sacrifice. Even giving life. How can I serve how can I be ready to serve, suffer, and sacrifice? Could this 
weariness change in me? I am, am I really willing to be ready to serve, suffer, and sacrifice for the Lord, whatever He wants and expects from me? Is it worth it to be so radical? Well, God was radical in His love, and He sent His Son. And I, I'd like to live like that. I'm far away from it. So I'm the first one to acknowledge that I'm far away from this reality of being ready to serve, suffer, and sacrifice for the Lord in serving Him. Now, Paul reminds us in 2 Corinthians, and I want to finish with this in the next five minutes, and I'll be finishing right on time. That's good. Four things in 2 Corinthians. If you just want to go with me there, we can read some of these important scriptures quickly. Paul reminds us that we are initially changed by Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, we know this verse by memory. I know it by memory in Spanish because I'm using it in Spanish. So I'll just read it to you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away, have gone, and look, new things have come. So this reality of being ready to serve, suffer, and sacrifice our lives for God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is not about us. It's about Him. It's about what the work of Holy, Almighty God is doing in our life, in that new creation. And things have passed, the old things have passed, and we, there are new things ahead of us to come. We are changed by Christ. But now Paul says also that we are compelled by Christ. Sorry, that we are competent in Christ. We'll get to that one after. We are competent in Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says, It is not that we are competent in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our competence is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. This is wonderful. So when we are struggling with ourselves and our weaknesses and our failures, here comes Christ along. He's given us new life. Well, that name came up. He's given that to us. And He's also allowing us to be competent in Him and in His name. So it's not about what we can do. It's about what He wants to do in us and through us. So we are changed by Christ. We are competent in Christ. And because of this, there's a wonderful result. Result. We are confident in Christ. Paul says there in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, we have this treasure in in clay jars so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. And we are confident in Him. It's all about Him. He's working in us. And if we allow the Holy Spirit 
to keep on working in us, he'll do it. We are fragile, we are weak, as we said, but God has empowered us. And even in fact, that specific weaknesses that we may see, the burdens, our pain, our difficulties, the Lord's grace, Paul says also in 2 Corinthians, is sufficient for his power is perfected in weakness, in my weakness, in your weakness. So we are changed by Christ. We are competent in Christ. We are confident in Christ. And last, we are compelled by Christ. We have to remind ourselves that we, have, we are called to something that is holy, eternal, and that our mission on earth is eternal. It's all about Him, not us. And, we tr and when we truly grasp the depth of His love for us, we will be compelled to love others and serve others and share the message of reconciliation that has been entrusted to us. Paul says in 2 Corinthians also that we are ambassadors. We have the best news a lost world can hear. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, dear brothers and sisters, dear church here in, at New Life, you are a light where you are. You are serving this community. You're serving the people at your jobs, where you study, where you move your, your neighbors, immediate, your family, your servant. You may also even be suffering and sacrificing some things, energy, time, resources, because you love the Lord and you want to serve Him, and that's good. It's worthwhile. And I want to encourage you to live these three readies that Paul has challenged us to be able to experience in our life. Willing to ready to serve to sacrifice, and to suffer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, wonderful name, the one that has given us salvation, has rescued us from a vain way of living in this world, and has spared us from a horrible eternity. We are so thankful for what you have done for us. We are so thankful for the privileges that we have. We are your children. And you have given us a beautiful mission on earth to be able to serve, suffer, and sacrifice in your name and for the benefit of many who do not know the Lord Jesus at this moment. We pray that our passion for your name would be the first thing in our lives. And that we could love one each other and others who have not known the Lord Jesus Christ as, his, as their saviors. We pray this. I pray for this um, meeting here of brothers and sisters. Encourage them. Help those that, that are suffering and going through tough moments. Give them um, your wonderful word of encouragement and also the wonderful fellowship of the brethren in presence and in prayer. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks for this time that we've had around your scripture. And we also pray for Uruguay, that you will continue to bless the work there. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.